This is your Thursday Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. A lot to get to today. As always, Lavelle E. Neal III will join me in just a little bit. Star Tribune columnist. He's going to help me break down the Twins season, which begins today. Can you believe it? We made it. Good times for us. They open in Milwaukee. Lavelle and I will break down the season and kind of see who we think is going to lead the Twins in a lot of different categories. So having some fun with that, a little different way to look at the season coming up. But first, what did I miss? Been a little while since I talked Timberwolves. Uh, probably like two days. You guys are probably like you always talk Timberwolves. Um, I do. It's it's a it's a it's a it's a weakness, not a sickness. Um, let's let's put it that way. But the game on Wednesday night I felt was pretty important for a number of reasons. Um, they they win first off one hundred two one hundred one over the Knicks. Important win. Knicks still not a great team, but Knicks are a team that will make the playoffs more than likely in the Eastern Conference this season. So. You know, a, a marker there to get a what we what we would probably call a good win at the very least. They come back to do it after falling behind, and you know they're behind by like ten or twelve a lot for most of that game, and then they make a comeback at the end, fueled a lot by Anthony Edwards, and rightfully so. Anthony Edwards gets a lot of the the, the talk at the end of the game and throughout the season, as as far as rookies go. With you know he's the number one overall pick. He's made some progress. He had a bunch of buckets down the stretch. Set up Malik Beasley for what proved to be the game-winning three on uh, on Wednesday night. But I want to talk about the defense and why this game was in particular so important for the defense to show up. Tom Thibodeau, now the head coach of the Knicks. You guys might have noticed that. Um, doing a good job there this year. Tom Thibodeau has had defensive success everywhere he has gone except Minnesota. Um, I, I had to go and crunch the numbers because I was so I was just I, I wanted to remember how good he had been and and what what the numbers were here. So he, here's the defensive rating for Tom Thibodeau's teams everywhere he's been as head coach. First year with the Bulls, 2010-11, he was there five years. First year, number one in the NBA in defensive rating. Second year, number one. Third year, number six. Fourth year, number two. Uh, last season that he was there when he gets fired, number 11. Not great, but still above average, pretty good. Takes a year off, comes to the Timberwolves. You're thinking, okay, defensive genius. He's going to turn this thing around. They're going to play defense no matter what. First year here, 2016-17. Number 27 in defensive rating. Ouch. Year after that, they make the playoffs. They get Jimmy Butler. That must have been better, right? 25th in defensive rating. They were actually better the next year when he got fired. In the middle of that year when he got fired, they were actually ranked number 16, so middle of the pack, but still not good. They hadn't made that kind of defensive progress that you'd expect under Tom Thibodeau. Takes a couple more years off, and one more year off to gets to the Knicks. This year with the Knicks, number four defensive rating in the NBA going into last night's game. So I don't know if you can just draw a straight line. There's there's so many different factors that go into this, but obviously he has gotten the Knicks to buy into something defensively that the Wolves just never bought into when he was here. What are the Wolves in defensive rating this season? They are 27th. Okay, so here's the thing. There's, there's a lot that needs to be rebuilt here with the Wolves when you're talking about a team that is still, what, 12 and 36 even after this win. But the defense, if, if you aren't able to play defense, if you that's a that's a marker of effort, of maturity. If you're not able to do that at a sustainable level, at least a middle of the pack level. A defense is kind of like offensive line in, in the NFL. You gotta have at least a decent defense. You gotta be able to block enough to have your quarterback have time. Close circuit to the Vikings and Mike Zimmer, who we'll get to in a little bit here. And you also have to have a defense in the NBA that can get some stops, at least, down the stretches of games. And the Wolves just have not had that. 
But they had that to a degree on Wednesday night. They only gave up 101 points. Their defensive rating over the last two games, very small sample size, I believe it was like 10th or 11th the NBA, so a little bit better lately against both Brooklyn and the Knicks. But two things. One, they showed this defense against Thibodeau. And again, you can, you can kind of create a narrative out of every, anything you want. Um, you can you can make a story out of whatever you want. I, you know, author uh, Nassim Nicholas Taleb, who I like to read a lot, I'm rereading The Black Swan right now, um, calls it narrating backwards, right? Something happens and then you invent the narrative of why this happened. But it's, it's an important game to me because you show Tom Thibodeau that you can play defense. And maybe maybe none of these guys care. Only really Carl Towns is really the only guy who was here when when Thibs was here. So maybe I'm making too much of this. But to beat Tom Thibodeau kind of at his own game felt important to me as an organizational marker. Part two of that is they finally have a player who, you know, like I was saying, this is a sign of maturity of a team that, that can play. They have a player who's very unique, Jaden McDaniels, who is actually a very young player, 19 years old, who is already becoming one of their best defensive players. In fact, after the game, Chris Finch had some really, really high praise for Jaden McDaniels. What he's doing at the defensive end of the floor right now is special. It's as special as a diamond and finishing at the rim. It's as special as the stuff you're seeing Ant doing on offense. It's as special as anything you've seen. I don't. I can't remember a 19-year-old defender rookie coming in having this type of impact, battling the multitude of positions, and making a great impact for his team and his teammates. So now that they have, you know. Malik Beasley is back. He's a gifted offensive player. He'll give you effort on defense, but he's not hes not a great defensive player, and he's undersized. They're going to get D'Angelo Russell back pretty soon. He's been practicing with the team now. We'll see how soon he's back. He's a gifted offensive player, bad defensive player. Anthony Edwards, I think he'll give you effort on that, but he's got a lot to learn. Carl Anthony Towns has been better this year on defense, but that has never been his calling card. This team is going to try to outscore you, but they're also going to need to try to get stops at certain points. Jaden McDaniels would be absolutely key to that going forward, and he absolutely was key to doing that in a very important win on Wednesday night. I'm Nyla Jean Myers, Senior Assistant Sports Editor at the Star Tribune. Thank you for listening to Strip Sports Daily Delivery. This work is made possible by our Star Tribune subscribers. For unlimited access to the articles mentioned in this podcast and our coverage of Minnesota sports from pros to preps, Go to startribune.com slash subscribe. I'd like to welcome into Daily Delivery, Lavelle E. Neal III, Star Tribune columnist. Want to talk some twins with Lavelle? That is obviously a big part of his background and even his job right now. He'll be in Milwaukee for the Twins opener on Thursday. Lavelle, welcome to Daily Delivery. Welcome back, I should say. Hey, Mike. Thanks for having me, man. Absolutely. I want to get, I want to jump into a couple of things with you. The first, the first question I have for you is, were you surprised by any of the, the roster cut downs that were you know, the last ones that were, you know, even some of the previous ones that were, you know, we got to the final roster now for the twins. Kirloff is out. Rooker is out. Um, you know, they keep, they keep garlic to, to start the season. Ostadio makes the team. Anything to you, jump out as either something that was a surprise or that you didn't necessarily see coming? Uh, uh, it mostly kind of shook out. Uh, as soon as Rocco professed his love for Williams asked to deal once again, I knew he was going to be on the roster. So that was going to affect, you know, the, how the bench is going to shake out. Um, Dobnik getting a spot in the bullpen, mild surprise. You didn't know if he, you want him to be a starter in the triple in triple A and just kind of be ready you know, for whenever he's needed. Um, but little did we know he was going to sign a multi-year deal during camp as well. That kind of seems like it cemented his spot there. 
Um, Brent Rooker not coming up uh, kind of surprised me based on how um, he performed uh, when he got a chance last year before he suffered a broken forearm by the Zach Plesak pitch. And he was seemed like he was going pretty good for most of spring training until the end. I was just checking this morning. I didn't realize his OPS had dipped under 700 by the end of camp. So um, that surprised me. And I thought just the way the Twins roster was shaking out, they've got a lot of right-handed hitters, and they probably needed some lefties to balance it out. But Rooker is one of those guys who actually hits right-handers pretty well. At least that's what it's, it, it's done. he's done in the minors. So I think I had a good chance of coming north with the team. So that move kind of surprised me. And then Kyle Garlic, I didn't even know there was a Kyle Garlic until camp opened, you know. Uh, he's just coming into our lives right now. But the guys had a heck of a spring. I think he's socked five homers and has driven in runs and has played left and right field. So uh, he's going to get a shot. You know, in a lot of those cases, a guy like Garlic, who's like 29 years old, you're not going to fret if he sits on the bench, you know, and plays a hardcore reserve role instead of someone like – you know, even like a Rooker or even if Kirilov uh, was on the team, you want those guys to get bats and play and develop. You won't worry about that as much with Garlic. So um, so the Rooker one definitely was the surprise at camp. As you well know, I mean, the, the team you bring north isn't necessarily or isn't, isn't ever the one you necessarily wind up with as the season goes along. Absolutely. As, as you think about Kirilov in particular, you know, and talking with Phil Miller last week, you know, it seems like they they want him to see some some minor league action. He hasn't played a single game at AAA in his career. You know, part of that because of the way last year was was structured. He's only played at AA. Do you then think? I mean, he, Phil seems to think that that means he he could be down there for a while. You know, since the AAA season doesn't start for another month after this. When do you think we'll see Kirilov? And and do you think that? by the end of the year, that's, that's your, your left fielder. And, you know, if they make the postseason again, that's the guy that they're, they're going to end up riding once they get there. Uh, you know, I still think Kirilov could appear sometime during the first month of the season. Um, yeah, I just remember last year, all you heard coming out of the uh, alternate training site site over in St. Paul was that Kirilov was just crushing the ball, a bunch of doubles, home runs, just breaking. And I know he was facing, you know, other twins, uh, camp players and wasn't necessarily playing official games, but it seemed like uh, he had a bat that could play any, anywhere, anytime. So I was a little surprised that he only hit 129 in camp this year and gave the twins a good reason to leave him in the minors at the start of the season. I think the kid can hit. I think he's got great hand-eye coordination. I think he's going to hit a lot of doubles and eventually those doubles are going to turn to homers and he's going to be a fine hitter. So I could see him uh, maybe after a week or two, taking off at AAA and uh, forcing the Twins to make a hard decision, you know, by early May, you know, to give this, this guy a shot here. So I think he's the future. Um, it also, hopefully, if it works out, it gives him another. Once again, I'm worried about how Rocco may have to bunch his right-handed hitters in the lineup. And Kirilov's presence will kind of help balance that out. And if he's showing any ability to hit, hit and hit, for a long period of time in the minors, I'd get them up. I'd get them up here as fast as possible. Well, that's the thing. I mean, this isn't really a team that hit particularly well last year, and it's not a team that was hitting very well in the spring. That seems to be Patrick Royce's number one concern is is where their where their offense is right now. As you think about the season ahead, what what are you what are you confident about, and what are you a little bit like? Yeah, I don't know if that's really going to work the way they hope it works. 
Oh, this is the annual. I'm alarmed about something. <laughs> was that your Roy? That's a good Roycey. Do it again. Do it Every again. Every spring training. I'm alarmed about this picking staff. <laughs> Every spring he comes back home complaining about some aspect of the squad. So I, I read him this morning and I start laughing. His annual rant. So now I was so busy trying to impersonate Roycey, I forgot your question. No, just what, you know, his his worries aside, are there things that you are confident about with this team? And conversely, are there things that you're like, I don't know if this is going to work as well as they hope it does? Uh, I still think it has a chance of being the top 10 offense. Um, I don't think everybody, you can't expect everyone to bounce back. Collectively, you should expect those guys to be a little bit better. And then Buxton and Donaldson are on the field uh, more than anywhere last year. It's really going to benefit the offense as well. So I don't think offense is going to be a problem, but I, also, I'm mindful of past years when I've said, I don't think this Twins team is going to have to worry about scoring runs. Then they have troubles about scoring runs. But um, I think they got enough professional hitters in that lineup to, to have a pro- productive uh, productive nine. Um, one area I'm concerned of is the bullpen. I wish they had one more power arm. I think that's going to be an issue going forward, and they may have to look out for one of the trade deadline. I think Jorge Acala has a chance of being a really good reliever. He's got a live arm a good fastball and a good breaking ball. And he's probably going to replace Trevor May in, in, in that role this year, which May was pretty good at. Um, and I think they've got enough to get through the ninth inning combination of Alexander Colome. Oh, by the way, he wants to go by Alexander. I just thought, right. I didn't know that. Alexander Colome. Okay. Alexander Colome um, and T- Taylor Rogers, and maybe a little bit of Tyler Duffy. I don't know. Whatever they get out of Hansel Robles, I think it's a plus. You know, the, the time I saw him in spring training, I really wasn't impressed. I still think he's kind of in the reclamation stage of his career, so I'm kind of concerned about how that looks. Um, but Alcala, the sixth or seventh inning, could be a good bridge guy. I think Cody Stashak continues to get a little bit better every year. I think he could be a valuable guy as a bridge guy. So I like a lot of aspects of that bullpen. I just wish they had one more guy to match up velocity-wise. I know the the twins are being kind of crappy here, like having guys with different spin rates and different breaking balls to kind of upset hitters timing, you know, let's throw a guy who throws hard here. Now let's bring in a guy who can spin it. Now let's bring a guy who has a sinker. Now let's bring a guy who's got a slider, you know, try to patch those wins together, but there's nothing wrong with a good old country hardball. So I hope you find one of those types of guys before the season's over. Let's, let's pivot a little bit now to, I want to, uh, looking at the season a little different way. I want to ask you, and I'm going to jump in on this too, leaders, who do you, who you think is going to be end the end of the season? Who's going to lead the team in certain categories? Are you ready? Yes. Home runs. We're going to start with some traditional counting stats, home runs. I'm going to still say Nelson Cruz. Um, so Noah's worrying me in camp this year. Uh, he's getting beat on fastballs again because he's getting beat on fastballs. He's not recognizing breaking balls and it's just been a mess. Although, uh, he did have a game Saturday where he actually drew an eight-pitch walk and homered, uh, which was cause for celebration. But I'm a little nervous. It should be Miguel Snow, but I'm going to go with Cruz. I think the man is going to push Father Time off one more time, and he's going to get 35 to 40 home runs. Now, be good enough to, to to lead the team. All right, I'm, I'll go. I'll go a little. I'll go different. I'll go. Uh, I'll go Josh Donaldson. I'll say I see a big, see a bounce back year for him. I know he's not always super home run guy. He uses all parts of the field, but I can see him 
having a big year if he's healthy. And I can see Cruz sliding back a little bit into that, you know, 25 to 30 range um, and still having a productive year, but something's going to catch up with him at some point. I hope for the twin sake that he still is 90% of what he's been, but you just never know. Next one, pitcher wins. I'm, I'm going to do all the counting stats. Going to make all the. We'll get to some some of, some of the more advanced stats in a little bit. We're going to make all those all, all the advanced stat people upset for a little while. The pitcher wins. I think Kenta made his career has taken off since he joined the Twins. They convinced him to throw sliders more last year against left-handed hitters, which really made him more effective. One of the reasons the Dodgers would put uh, would uh, bounce him to the bullpen sometimes because he struggled against lefties, and he kind of. He kind of uh, cleared that loophole up uh, once he joined the Twins. And now he's working on some other things now. I think he's working on a slower breaking ball. Uh, so he's trying to stay one step ahead of the hitters. And he showed me last year that he's got the mind to be crafty and to work and to work uh, his way through a batting order. So I see Kent Tomato winning 17 games this year, and that will lead the Minnesota Twins. Yeah, I can't argue with that. I think Barrios could push him a little bit. He's pretty. He's been pretty durable. You could see Barrios being in that 15 range. You can see even Jay Happ um, in Pineda being double digits, but you can't bet against the. What defending. happens at wins or losses? What's that? What happens at wins or losses? Oh, oh, he has not had a good camp. He has not had a good camp. He's he, just work. He's just working on stuff, Lavelle. Just working I on stuff. I hope so, man, because it's it looks and sounds bad on television. The balls sound like they're exploding off the off of bats i hope he gets it together he's a veteran so he knows he knows how to get ready for a season yeah that's what i'm that's what i'm saying but i will i think i think made a you know coming off that runner-up finishing the signing award looks like he's just as good this year can't bet against him what about saves who's going to wind up with the most saves this year i'm gonna go colomay alexander colomay okay Uh, yeah uh for about 30 32 really i think taylor rogers gets about eight or nine really so you see column yeah. a really be, if you're talking about closers traditional like you know all things being equal this is the guy, the guy that's going to get the ninth inning matchups or not it's column a. I, I think i think rogers is going to bounce between getting a couple save opportunities here and there a month and match it up against lefties i think that's going to limit his availability for eighth and ninth inning um, the only thing that could thwart my reasoning is that Rocco will bring in his close, his best reliever in the eighth inning if the like the middle of the order is up in the close game. He will bring his best reliever in the most dangerous part of the game. If he thinks he needs to stop something in the eighth with Colome, he may bring him in then, and then you'll have Rogers for the ninth. But I think Colome is going to have about at least 25 saves this year um, as a closer. Interesting. I'm going to go Rogers just because I know, I know him and I know what he can do. So we'll, we'll see who's right on that one at the end of the year. Um, Let's write this down, write this down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, stolen bases. Nobody steals bases anymore, but who's going to lead the tw- team in stolen bases or Hey Polanco. Wow. Not Buxton. I love it. No, I'm not picking Buxton. And it, it goes back to our conversation in August when I said, Byron, one day we're going to go back to playing 162 games. What are you going to, you think you'll do first in the season? Hit 30 homers or steal 30 bases? He said, steal 30 bases. I said, Byron, do you know that we're in the middle of August and you have one stolen base all year? He said, I know, I know, I know. The man doesn't get the first base. He either doubles or homers. He's rarely at first and he doesn't walk. Now, all of a sudden his walk rate incre- increases and he's on first base more. 
then I'll say he's a lock for 20 to 25 stolen bases. But right now, I think Polanco could steal 10 bases and lead the team. The Twins just aren't about speed this year, and their fastest guy doesn't know how to get the first base. Fascinating. I'm going to take Buxton just by default because he is so okay. he's so fast. <laughs> uh, I just like to be contrarian, too, as much as possible. But uh, I love the Polanco pick. Of, That's, we got a lot of contrarians in the sports department. We, we do. We do. <laughs> um, last last uh, counting stat, runs scored. I'm convinced. Ah, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go a different route here just because – this man is going to be batting that he's a lock to bat at the top of the order. Nah, that's a tough one. It's either going to be Polanco or Donaldson. Yeah. Uh, makes sense. On base guys, guys who are going to I'm bat gonna at go, the top. I'm going to go Polanco. I think I'm going to go Polanco, but th- that's not an easy choice there. Cause Polanco will lead off for bat second. Sometimes Donaldson likes to bat second. They're going to be around the action and in a position to get driven in all year long. So I'm going to lean, I'm going to lean Polanco right now. Okay. I'll take, I'll take Donaldson. Okay. Just because I think he's going to get on base a lot, and he'll 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 hit a few more home runs than Polanco, and just you just get a run scored automatically when you drive yourself yeah. in. So that's true. That's true. Um, uh, but I like Polanco because I think he takes really good at bats. Uh, being a switch hitter, he's very handy, and I, I think he's going to be healthy after two seasons of having ankle problems. And we'll see more. I think we'll see more of a, a balanced attack from him from each side of the plate because now he doesn't have to worry about uh, injuring his ankle again few other categories um ops on base plus slugging nelson cruz um i think he was over a thousand last year that seems good and i, I think he's going to do it again i i mean donaldson would be a candidate but donaldson doesn't uh it's probably Don- one of those it's probably one of those two guys yeah but I, i'm gonna go, i'm gonna go with cruz just because he's done it for, for the twins each of the last two years I'm going to go with Cruz too, even though I picked Donaldson for the home run lead. I, I still think Cruz will hit for a slightly better average, and that does help you with with OPS too. Yeah. I was thinking the exact thing. Um, okay, a couple more. Donaldson will not bat over 500. I mean, he won't bat over. He won't bat over 260 this year. If he bats over 500, Lavelle, we're going to have a whole another. We're going to have a whole lot of conversations this year about Josh Donaldson and his season. Yeah, I corrected myself. I'm just kidding. A <laughs> um, couple more. Uh, FIP. Fielder independent pitching, a little different than ERA. Who's who's your FIP leader on, especially starting staff? I'm going Kent Tomato. Um, when he's going good, guys aren't getting on base. Uh, he doesn't. He's not a big walk guy. And when they make contact, it's not hard contact. Yeah, that, I got to. Yeah. Go ahead. That was maybe a little. Too, that was maybe a little too easy. Meta is probably the answer to every pitching question until proven otherwise, isn't he? Yeah, I think you're right. Um, although I, I expect Brios to take a step forward this year. I can see Brios getting the 14, 15 wins. Um, he's hitting that intersection where the experience and the talent are starting to meet. And uh, he's working better. He's working smarter in camp this year. And I got high hopes that Brios is going to start to cash in on that, that talent that, uh, that uh, Patrick Royce claims the Twins don't know how to bring out of a, of a young starter. <laughs> here's, here's one for you. Last one. Defensive runs saved. Well, that's a lock. It's Andrews and Simmons by far, right? Could, that might be Buxton. Buxton does 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 some good work, and Donaldson has had some big years in that capacity too. It's not every year that he does, but Simmons is the best defensive player of our generation. Best of, wait <laughs> on the Twins or in baseball? Well, Simmons is ridiculous. The he best is- wait did okay, but I just, I just want a clarification. Was that the best Twins defensive player of our generation, or just in baseball? Baseball. Wow. I didn't know he was that good. Simmons is brilliant. Okay. Brilliant, he has taken the Jeter jump throw from the, the hole in short to another total another level. You're going to see range. You're going to see arm, 
arm strength from so many different angles. Uh, it's gonna, you're gonna be, it, it's gonna be entertaining just to watch him play defense and how he affects the rest of the infield. Okay, I'll take Buxton in this one just because I think both those guys are elite, elite plus defensive players. And they both they both obviously carry injury risk too. Simmons has had some problems in the last couple of years. We all know Buxton's history. That one could come down to less of who's who's great because they're both great. It could come down to who plays more. And you know, that, I hope I hope they both get to play 140 games. We'll see. But uh, I think they both. I think the Twins are going to get approval from the league to give Buxton a rubber uniform. So that may Is that true. Yeah. Oh, well, that'd be fun. That'd be fun if they did. Um, Okay, those are those are my eight categories. Let, let get, let's get some last thoughts from you. You're going to be in Milwaukee on Thursday. You know you've covered a bunch of these openers. You you kind of see how the early part of the season goes. What 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 are, what are some things we should be looking for early on this season with this team? I, I yeah, we were talking about offense, and there's some concern about uh, how guys are looking in camp right now. I want to see if they come out swinging the bats. You know, I remember a year ago we we're in Chicago for opening day, and Kepler hit the first pitch of the season out of the park. You know. And um, the Twins want to have a good series that week. So, um, are, are they one of those guys, one of those teams where the, when the lights come on, that it, everybody kind of steps their game up and starts to perform like it's a regular season? Um, I've been looking for that. Um, I I've got high hopes for Pineda too. Um, this will be the first time in three years that he he has a possibility of being in the lineup for the entire year. You know, a full season of Pineda is interesting to me. Uh, he's a guy who could end up getting 12, 13 wins. Um, because I tell you what, regardless if things are going good or bad for him, it seems like you look up at a sixth inning, he's still on the mound, you know, and that sets something to his ability to, um, to be a factor. So I'm looking forward to Pineda's first start of the season. He was a sneaky pick for me to be a leader in pitcher wins, by the way, just because he does stay in almost every game and gives you a good, seems like he gives you a quality start more often than not, but, uh, yeah, good call. yeah. Good call on Pineda. I'm looking forward to the year. I mean, it's just going to be fun to, you know, I'll be interested to see fans in the stands again, you know, 10,000 at target field um, to start the year. And we'll, we'll see where we go from there. Now, Lavelle, good stuff. I appreciate it. Um, look for your columns from Milwaukee and, uh, you know, from various other places as the season goes along. Hope you're enjoying the, hope you're enjoying being a columnist so far. Is that been, how you, how you feeling so far? I still feel like I'm in a transition phase because I'm, I'm used to just being focused on a team and writing like two stories a day. And now I'm writing like three times a week and I'm trying to keep up with area. I'm like invading zoom conversation, uh, zoom conferences with other sports teams. Like Marty Gellner saw me on the wolves zoom last week. She's like, what are you doing here? <laughs> <laughs> so like, it's, it's my it's, job, Marty Gellner. What are you doing here? Yeah. I, just, I assume you're doing your job as well. And I'm, you know, you know me, I like soccer. I've been trying to write soccer columns, but every time I come up with an idea, Jerry Zagoda is already writing it, you know? Mm. So, <laughs> so um, trying not to step on the beat writer's toes also is uh, something I'm, I'm, I'm sensitive to because it, it's happened to me at other places. So <laughs> I want to do the people. Welcome to my world. Well, oh, good stuff. I appreciate it. Uh, <laughs> thanks for, thanks for jumping in and, and doing this show. And uh, we'll, we'll be sure to have uh, have you on a whole bunch more as the season goes along and the, and your, uh, and, the and the time goes along as well. My pleasure, Michael. Whose picks did you like better, me or Lavelle? Do you uh, do you want to give me a shout out on Ramball at Ramball in the on Twitter? Let me know. Do you like my my thoughts on who's going to be leaders in categories better? Do you like Lavelle's better? Do you have an entirely different idea for one of those categories of who is going to lead the Twins? Would love to hear from you on Twitter at Ramball. Uh, AC out there in the flat. Is the ball thrown in there low? That that isn't Snooker's fault. 
using that classic Jerry Burns clip to set up another Vikings head coach, Mike Zimmer. He's fired up right now, and he he talked to the media on Wednesday. I'm going to play a little clip here in just a second, but you know, Dalvin Tomlinson added, Patrick Peterson getting all these guys back from injury, Mackenzie Alexander back, you know, Xavier Woods added to the secondary, a lot of pieces. And when you hear him talk about the defense and what they were missing last season, I'm not ready to give him a free pass on what happened. When you were a defensive coach and you were missing almost half of your defense at a certain point, and a lot of those are your best players, that ain't Mike Zimmer's fault. I know he's the head coach. I know he is responsible for more than just the defense, but I almost think 2020 the Vikings did about as well as they could under the circumstances, and that I am not I'm not giving him a free pass, but but I'm 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 gonna say that season wasn't primarily Mike Zimmer's fault. He'll have a chance to prove it in 2021. Here is how excited he is about the players they have added. You know, we've we've added, you know, Hunter, um, Pierce, uh, Barr, who missed the whole year, um, Tomlinson, Peterson. I mean, it's going to look completely different when we get out there, and, I, and I'm excited about um, the whole crew. Let's end things with the cooler really quick. We talked about this on Wednesday's show with Sarah McClellan. Wild been outshot seven games in a row going into Wednesday night's game against San Jose. Yeah, they get outshot again, and they lose again to a not very good team. Worried, still worried about this team a little bit. They're not finding their game that they want. They didn't play the way they wanted to last night. It was a little bit better, but still not great. Now they got to play Vegas a bunch. they got to play Colorado. Then they got to play St. Louis after that. they got to turn this thing around pretty quickly and get this thing, get this momentum back going towards the playoffs. Um, there's still plenty of time, but I'm, I don't like the way they're playing right now. I don't think Dean Evison likes the way they're playing right now, and they need to figure, figure this thing out or it's going to go off the rails in a hurry. That'll do it for today. Thanks for listening to Daily Delivery. Uh, go write a review, leave a rating on your your podcast player. Would love that very much. Subscribe to Star Tribune, startribune.com. Friday show will be a lot of fun. Chip Scoggins on to talk college basketball, including Paige Beckers and the amazing run she is on this season. We'll catch you again on Friday. Thanks again for listening. I am Michael Rand.